Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study every Sunday morning for those who cannot be with us in person and for those who are listening across the country and around the world. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and and check us out in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our Bible classes begin at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evening, we come back together at 6 o'clock for another period of worship and Bible study. And then on Wednesday evenings, we're back at 6.30 every Wednesday evening for midweek Bible classes. You are welcome to any and all of these services. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. But we know there are people, even in the Omaha area, who cannot be with us in person. They have medical or physical handicaps of one kind or another. And in some cases, they may have schedule conflicts where they, at least at this point, don't feel they can get away. But we know that there are also people across the country and literally around the world who want to be in God's Word. They want to hear teachings from God's Word, the Bible. But obviously, they cannot be with us in person because they live in other parts of the country or the world. So we're thankful to be able to have the opportunity, the means, and the ability to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the Internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful that you're there. We also encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means as well. But you know people in your life, probably some within your own family, who need to get into God's Word. They need to change their focus in life. They need to grow in their faith, and faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So share these studies with everybody you can, your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody get to heaven. And that will be indeed a great blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. Also tell everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And so when they sign up for, their, for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their device, whether that's their phone or computer or whichever other device they might choose, they will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and they will receive a Monday through Friday daily radio program called Search the Scriptures. And, and I really consider this to be a jewel a seven-day-a-week short Bible study every day, every day, seven days, only about 13 minutes or so long each day, but it keeps us in God's Word. And again, that is crucial for our staying strong and growing stronger in our faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So all of that will be free, and it will be automatic to their smart device. So tell everybody you can. Now, we're going to get back into our study from Deuteronomy, and I want us to go back again to chapter 31, where God is preparing, well, Moses is there, remember, he's, he's, he's led the people of Israel through the wilderness, 
they have gone through a wandering of 40 years, letting the adult generations of 20 years old and up die off so that the children could grow up and become stronger in their faith. And so he has led them all the way to the eastern border of the promised land, which was the land of Canaan at that time. But as God would lead them into that land and defeat their enemies before them, now, the people would have to go into battle themselves, but God would give them the victories over the inhabitants of that land because the inhabitants of that land were idol worshipers. And so God tells the people, you don't have anything to do with them. You either destroy them in battle or you drive them out of the land. Now, that land of Canaan then would become the land of Israel. Moses is right there on the eastern bank of the Jordan River, across the river, they're in that promised land, the land that would become Israel. But Moses is not going to be allowed to enter. And we talked about that last time where he and his brother Aaron had taken glory for themselves instead of giving glory to God when God told them to speak to the rock. And apparently that was a cliff or a mountainside or something, but there was a rock formation there. The people needed water and God told Moses, speak to the rock and I'll bring forth water. Well, on a separate occasion, earlier, a uh, similar situation, God had told Moses to, to strike the rock with his staff, and God would bring forth the water. Moses obeyed that. Well, this time when God tells Moses to speak to the rock, Moses and Aaron take the glory for themselves as though they're the ones bringing forth the water. And so they, they call the attention to themselves, shall we bring forth water before you? And then he strikes the rock again with his staff instead of speaking to it. Well, God brought forth the water, but he told Moses, you and Aaron will not enter the promised land. Well, by the time we get to chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, Aaron has already died. Now Moses is right there at the border, and God has told him, you know, go up into a certain a mountain and look into the land. I'm going to let you see the land, but you're not going to be able to go in. And so Moses is going to die. God's going to take him, and uh, but he's going to allow him to see the land. Well, Joshua is going to take Moses' place as the physical leader of the people of Israel as they cross the Jordan River and begin those battles of conquest. We're going to pick up with verse 1 again of chapter 31 of Deuteronomy. When Moses, or rather, then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. In other words, he's saying, I'm getting old. Well, if God had wanted him to still be able to go into the promised land, he could have sustained him. But again, we talked about why God was withholding that particular blessing from him. So Moses is going to die physically. He says, I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. And so Moses reminds them, God is going to be with you. He's going to cross over before you. God has been with them through the wilderness. Moses goes on and says, he will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And so Joshua had become the physical leader of the nation in these battles of conquest for this land that God had promised to them, going all the way back to their forefathers, all the way back to Abraham. And so 
God is going to go before them. Joshua would become their physical leader, but God is going to give them the victories. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites and their land. When he destroys them, the Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Now, God had given them victory over these kings, uh, you know, Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites and their lands. You know, God gave them victory already over them. So he says, just as he gave them, gave you victory over them, he's going to give you victory over the inhabitants of the land that you're about to receive. And so verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes before you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel. And so this is going to be a, an open and visible pronouncement of the transfer of leadership from Moses to Joshua. And he says, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. And so Moses is encouraging Joshua, and he is pronouncing, God is making you the new physical leader of the people of Israel. So I want us to drop down. Well, let me, let me go ahead and read from verse 9 through verse 13 first, again, setting the stage. So Moses wrote this law and delivered it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. Now, the tribe of Levi was the priestly tribe. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the appointed time, and the year of release, at the Feast of the Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. We need to stop and think about the importance of reading God's Word regularly. Now, we keep emphasizing in these studies that faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We need to pay attention to that. People, they think, well, I wish I had stronger faith. How can I get, how can I get strong faith? Get into God's Word. That's key. That's bottom line, basic. There's a reason why the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, to study or be diligent to present yourselves approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, that is, God's word. We need to be students of God's word on a regular, ongoing, and consistent basis. So, verse 12, gather the people together, men and women and little ones, and the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law, and that their children who have, no, who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. So Moses instructs the people and, of course, he's instructing Joshua, too. Everybody, you need to hear this law. And he says, every seven years. But, of course, that's reminding them of the specific laws which God has laid out for them through these first five books of the Old Testament. 
but they are to be in God's word every day. We can go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and, and remind, be reminded how God tells the parents, you teach your children every day, throughout the day, my commandments, my instructions, my word. But now the people, as a people, are to gather and hear the law every seven years to keep it fresh in their memory, to remind them of what God expects of them. Now, beginning with verse 14, and this, this probably was something of a startling understanding on the part of the people, and maybe on the part of Joshua, because now Moses, and this is God speaking through Moses, he is foretelling or prophesying that the people of Israel, to whom he is giving this land, and whom he has sustained for 40 years, wandering around in the wilderness, he is foretelling of their unfaithfulness in decades or generations to come. Beginning with verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of meeting, that I may inaugurate him. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of meeting. And so the tabernacle would be the physical place or symbol of worship for the people. And that tabernacle was a kind of a uh, portable kind of building that could be collapsed and put up. It resembled a tent but it could be carried with them wherever they went. Now, in years later, Solomon would build the physical structure, the temple, and that would replace the tabernacle. So, verse 15, the Lord appeared at the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood, before the do- stood above the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers. In other words, you're going to die. And this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land where they go beyond, where they go to be among them, and they will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Now, this is not the first time God has, has prophesied or foretold this departure of the people of Israel from faithfulness to God. He, this is... He's warned about this a number of times. This is simply another one. At this time, at this point in time, when they're just about to cross into the promised land and fight the battles of conquest and take it, once the battles are over, once peacetime comes, they're going to become complacent, and they're going to turn away from God and go back to the worship of idols. How sad. How fickle humanity can be. Well, So God is warning both Moses and Joshua, and ultimately he's already warned the people about this uh, through earlier writings of Moses. And so the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers, and this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods, lowercase g, the idols of the foreigners of this land, where they go to be among them, and they will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Now, one failing on the part of the Israelites when they would take possession of the land would be that they would 
not quite obey God's instruction or his commandment to either destroy all the people that presently lived in that land, they were all idol worshipers, or else drive them out completely and have no, no dealings with them. The Israelites, they would conquer the land, but it seems like they came to a point where they got tired of going to battle. And so they allowed some of the inhabitants of the land to remain therein. Now, God had already warned them previously through Moses, they're going to become a snare to you if you let that happen. They're going to become a thorn in your side. They're going to become an influence upon you to lead you into the worship of idols and away from me. But they either would forget that or else they would try to explain it away, saying, no, that's never going to happen. We're, yeah, we're going to let these folks stay here, but they're under our thumb. We control this land. We're never going to let them lead us into the worship of idols. But they did. Well, we come back here to chapter 31. And so verse 17 Then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? Interesting. I've emphasized many times as I've taught God's word, when you put God out of your life, and you don't even have to say, I don't believe in God anymore, and you don't have to become an atheist. If you just push him out of the forefront of your life, then the devil automatically moves in. There's not going to remain a vacuum in your life from a spiritual perspective. God is your ally and your deliverer against evil. When you push God out of your mindset, and you might say, well, I still believe in God, yeah, but you're not, you're not walking with him. You're not living by his teachings. You're not following his commandments laid out in Scripture. So you've pushed him out of your mindset, basically. Evil automatically moves in because the devil is the author of evil, and he's going to move into your life. In fact, you've already let him move into your life by pushing God out of your mindset. Even if you might say, I still believe in God with all my heart, yeah, but you, he's, he's not the governor and the guide of your life anymore. You're living in unfaithfulness before him. You're living in sin. The devil moves right in. And so verse 17 again, my anger shall be aroused against them in that day, and I will forsake them. So you walk away from God, you can get to the point where God walks away from you. Read the second half of the first chapter of, of, of Romans and understand that. And I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them. When sin takes over your life, when you push God out and then you, by default, let the devil move in, you're going to have problems. Evil is going to become part of your life. 
Have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And there's the principle again. If God is for us, who can stand against us? We read in the New Testament scripture. But if we're not for God, then evil's going to move in. Verse 18 says, And I will surely hide my face in that day, God speaking, because of all the evil which they have done, in that they have turned to other gods. Now therefore write down this song for yourselves, and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. A song. Well, beginning at the end of this chapter, we read about the song of Moses. Now, think about how the Apostle Paul wrote, closing his second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, he tells Timothy there's going to come a time when there are going to be Christians who they don't want to hear the truth anymore, at least not in all of its depth. And so they're going to find teachers who are going to scratch their ears for them. And so he tells Timothy, you guard against this by preaching or teaching the word in season and out of season, when it's popular, when it's not popular, when it's well accepted, when it's not well accepted. You just keep preaching the word because that's the safeguard. Again, that's where faith comes from and stays strong and grows stronger. You keep teaching the word, and that's the safeguard against people turning away from the teachings of my word and thereby turning away from me. Well, when people stop turning to God, when they stop listening to God, when they stop studying his word, they're opening up that door for the devil to move right in, right in. And so God's warning, and he's prophesying, he's foretelling, this is what's going to happen. That must have been alarming to Moses, although Moses had already written about this a number of times previous to this. But it still must have been alarming, troubling to Moses and also to Joshua. Joshua's right there. The people should already have known about this because, again, Moses has has addressed this previously a number of times. Verse 20 goes on, God speaking, when I have brought them to the land flowing with milk and honey, of which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and filled themselves and grown fat. In other words, they've prospered. Then they will turn to other gods and serve them, and they will provoke me and break my covenant. The other gods, lowercase g, in other words, idols. They're going to start worshiping statues and images and carvings and calling them gods which is absurd because they will be manufacturing those images, carving them out, putting them up on on pedestals, and then they're going to, even though they've manufactured them themselves, then they're going to drop down on their knees and pray to them and worship them as gods. Now, how absurd is that? Then it shall be when many evils and troubles have come upon them that this song will testify against them as a witness. For it will not be forgotten... In the mouths of their descendants, for I know the inclination of their behavior today, even before I have brought them to the land of which I swore to give them. God can see the future. 
in exact detail. Therefore Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. Then he inaugurated Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land of which I swore to them, and I will be with you. So it was when Moses had completed writing the words of this law in a book, when they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you. For I know your rebellion and your stiff neck, if today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord, then how much more after my death? I imagine Moses probably wished emotionally that he could have stayed with the Israelites longer to help them stay straight and faithful to God. But that was not to be. Gather to, gather to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in the hearing and in their hearing and call heaven and earth as witnesses against them. For I know that after my death, you will become utterly corrupt utterly corrupt and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you and evil will befall you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. My, now here's what I want to ask in relation to all of this. How many times does God have to tell us his will? for us to pay attention to being obedient to his will? How many times do you have to hear truth to pay attention to the truth and, particu and particularly to the truth of God's word? As human beings, we can be so fickle. We can pray to God and tell him how much we love him. We can praise him, glorify him. We can make a verbal commitment. We're, we're going to follow you. We're going to love you all the days of our lives. And then somewhere along the line, and maybe repeatedly, we find ourselves giving in to the allurements, the temptations of the devil, and thereby turning away from God and into sin. How many times does God have to tell us? How many times does he have to warn us? How many times do we have to experience the difficulties and the consequences, the dire negative consequences of sin to wake up, pay attention, and make the commitment... <laughs> I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to stay with God. I'm going to be obedient. To the best of my ability, I'm going to, and where I come up short, I'm going to pray to God in repentance, asking forgiveness and asking for greater strength to stay true to him. How many times does God have to tell us before we pay close attention? I'd like to leave that question, that thought with you. 
mull it around in your mind, and ask yourself, how might it apply to your life as you're living it right now? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Father in heaven, you are gracious, you are merciful, you are patient, but you expect our repentance and our coming to you through Jesus, our Savior, your Son, for forgiveness and salvation. When we do stumble, please be patient with us and give us the opportunity and help us to recognize our need to seek forgiveness from you. Help us to not be fickle in our spiritual lives. Help us to walk with you hand in hand always in absolute dedication and commitment and faithfulness. We need you in our lives every second of every day. Help us to live every second of every day in dedication and faithfulness to you. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.